Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from our away-from-home studio in our motorhome in Titusville, Florida, where we are about to finish six fun-filled weeks. Ooh, six weeks of fun and sun while the north is cold. We don't want to gloat. As you know, we tend to be restless souls who like to move around the country, but when it's very cold in the north, there aren't too many places you can go. So we've decided for us it makes sense. Pick a lovely spot and stay put for a while. Usually after six weeks, I'm feeling itch-hitch, even Mm -hmm. though I don't have a hitch anymore. And I'm happy to say that we have really enjoyed the Space Coast. We've seen a lot, we've done a lot, but we don't feel done. And this is about as far north as you'd want to be. And if you want to make sure that you miss the winter, <laughs> we are kind of in the northern uh, third of Florida. And if you go much further north, you can start to get freezes and stuff like that. So we have uh, really enjoyed this area as we watch the snow fall back home and the below zero temperatures. Florida is the place to be. Um, we've mentioned before that Texas is another good place. And Texas is on a line with Fort Myers, whereas we're further north north than that. So this has been a good place to be, and the weather has been pretty good. And, you know, it depends on the year. This seemed, when I was making the plans for this month's podcast, it seemed like it was going to be a fairly ordinary month. When you're just sitting, there's not really a lot for us to talk about, but (sighs) things have changed big time. And we worry that when we talk about things like we play tennis or pickleball, (laughs) how interesting can that be for you? Um... (laughs) It's like when I read people's blogs and they talk about what they had for dinner. Yes, did you have fish for dinner? And the friends oh, I had they, a tough decision about the menu. And the friends that they met that I will never meet and never get to know, it's just not that interesting. Yeah, so, so we don't want to bore you with that sort of stuff, but we will bore you with other parts of our life. <laughs> But okay. before we get into our usual laughter-filled conversation, right. we, we want to um, yes. mention how badly we feel about John and Kathy Huggins. We know that many of you who listen to us also listen to their weekly podcast and sometimes press us if they can do it every week. Why can't you? And we were very sad to hear about Kathy's illness. And as we are speaking to you, it sounds like they will not be able to return to their uh, full-time life on the road. And uh, once again, we are all reminded that nothing lasts forever and that you need to get out on the road as quickly as you can while you can. And we wish her a good recovery, and hopefully her ultimate recovery will lead to a better outcome than it sounds at this point. Yeah, it really makes you treasure your health because once... Without health, you have nothing. Yeah, you can't do any of the things that we're doing, and that's why we started early. And we continue to travel as much as we possibly can because you never know. She may have quality of life after this, and she may enjoy her life, but it's certainly not going to be be a life life. a life of travel. And to go to the hospital one night, and then never be able to eat food again. (laughs) That would be quite a change in your life. I just go, oh, my. You never know. Yeah, you got to put up with it, but um, you you can't, and you can't plan for it. It was totally unexpected. And as most of our listeners know, we met them for the first time last month. Um, 
the RV podcast community is not exactly close, and so it's uh, kind of accidental when you meet folks like this. And she seemed fine when we when we met her, and she was. But you know, things suddenly happen, and. You just have to plan your life uh, with that expectation. Knowing that you can't really plan your life. (laughs) And even though the RV podcast community does not come together very regularly or frequently, we we were quite surprised and pleased that staying put here in the great outdoors (laughs) has meant that we have met even more of you than we met at the Super Show, which is where I expected to, to meet a few listeners. And we are very grateful for all of you who have tracked us down here. Uh, we've had a campground a, near you. We've had a variety of fun days spent with people, eating and talking and driving around and playing golf. And we have enjoyed your company very much, especially those of you who are somewhat younger than we are and are still thinking about living the dream. It's encouraging to talk to you and, and share a fun life with you. Yes, indeed. We're going to have an interview with one of our listeners who tracked us down and actually lives here in the Great Outdoors. Now, we left you off last month. We were on the golf course, and we were uh, watching the golf balls hit or come very close to hitting the motorhome here. And since then, we have had to move because of space problems uh, here at the park. And we are now on a small lake, which we now find was gone. It's a pod, but it actually has a name, Turkey Lake or something like that. Even I could hit a golf ball across it. It's so small. (laughs) One of our listeners drove up and said, well, we found the park because you're on Turkey Lake. We said, Turkey Lake? Really? Really? And that pod back there is called Turkey Lake, but it was on the GPS. Anyway, we have moved, and it's uh, actually a very nice site, as all the sites here are in the Great Outdoors. So the Great Outdoors is in Titusville, Florida, on the Space Coast. It's 1,680 campsites or lots of a wide variety of different kinds, and you're going to hear about that in the interview that we're going to be playing for you in just a few minutes. But we thought we'd talk a little bit about Titusville and the area around here, because this is uh, on the Space Coast, which is north of the Palm Coast, which is north of the Emerald Coast, which is north of the... (laughs) No, the Emerald Coast is in the Panhandle. (laughs) Everything here is... Oh, no, it was the... The PR people in Florida have named every coast. What was the name of the coast out in uh, Fort Pierce? Pirate Coast. No, no, not Pirate. Gold Coast. Treasure Coast. Treasure Coast. Treasure Coast. (laughs) We're getting there. We're old. So we are currently on the Space Coast, primarily because of the Kennedy Space Center, which is only less than 10 miles from here. Uh, an easy drive. An and easy drive. we went to um, the Kennedy Space Center when we were still working and thought we had struck it off the list. <laughs> but lo and behold, since we've been here with this winter, we bought an annual pass and have kept going back and going back because it has grown exponentially and the number That's of right. things a tourist can do there right. have grown as well. And your initial contact with the park makes you realize that it's an international attraction when right. we parked our car Very so many so. people. People around us didn't speak English. It was kind of cool. But the in-depth tours that the Space Center offers gives gives you much greater insight into what has gone on there and the excitement that the space program is picking up again, certainly with the infusion of Elon Musk's SpaceX and his gazillion dollars in funding. Things are picking up. They're doing a lot of reconstruction and planning for the future. And, and you saw yesterday they just started the tractor mover. Uh-huh. They 
just got that back going again. And you get that feeling once again that the sky's the limit. So it's very interesting, especially for those of us who kind of grew up with this. I can remember Alan Shepard blasting off into space for his 12-minute flight, as well as, of course, John Glenn and the moon uh, walks and all of those things are a part of the Kennedy Space Center and a part of our history. So it's very interesting for us to go back and see all of these uh, historic places, as well as the actual hardware that is was used in space. The space shuttle and all the satellites and things are all here for people to see. And this is a unique experience. You cannot do this anyplace else in the world, although we were at the Johnson Space Center as well as in Huntsville. But those are different facilities. Different facets yeah. of the space exploration program. And the Kennedy Space Center, a 50-buck admission per day, which is kind of expensive, but the <laughs> the yearly pass is uh, less than two days cost. And we've done some nice in-depth tours where we got on a bus and had a guide take us around. So those have been very good experiences, and I would highly recommend visiting the Kennedy Space Center. For however, as much time as you can give to it. However, we are only an hour from Orlando, and of course all of the attractions in Orlando that are so world famous, which we don't need to talk about, other than the fact that it's outrageously expensive to go to Disney and or Universal for a day or two. Which is really all we would have wanted so to do. So we have not taken advantage of those. The other um, aspect of this area that was caused by the Space Center is that the early on, uh, the people who were launching missiles into the air and having them fall back on their heads realized that developing this coast in terms of homes and businesses would be a bad idea because it wouldn't be safe. And so much of the land yes. surrounding uh, the Kennedy Space Center is natural wildlife. It's primarily called the Merritt Island Wildlife Refuge. There's also the Cape Canaveral National Seashore. Whatever you want to call it, there's lots and lots of green land around here full of alligators and beautiful tropical birds. As a matter of fact, in Turkey Lake here, there is an alligator. Yeah, we can bird watch <laughs> right outside our window. And so the nature of it and the wildness of it dog. makes it kind of a special area of Florida, which once you are on the coast, tends to be kind of condominiumized. Yes. Yes, if you go down to the Panhandle, to Panama City, or places like that, or if you go on the West Coast, the Gulf side, the Gulf side, you'll find that everything is expensive. You can, to park to just to go to the beach is, is a, a fee, whereas here you can go to the National Seashore for free and just uh, enjoy the twenty-five or thirty miles of pristine beach. Can't drive on it, but the pristine beach you can enjoy as far as you want to, and you can walk and probably find a spot where you can't see anybody else. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. So this area is a pretty nice area, and we have enjoyed it. So now we would like to introduce you to one of our listeners yes. who enjoyed it so much, he bought a home here in the Great Outdoors. And has lived in the Great Outdoors for a couple of years, and this is definitely an option here. You can buy any type of house that you'd like uh, from basic up to mansion, and you can store your RV in them. And many of the homes are RV-oriented in that there's a pad or a breezeway or a garage, depending on how much you've spent, where you can keep your RV right next to you and use it while you're living and in the home. And plug it in and dump the sewer and fill it up with water and all those sorts of good things are right there for you. So we have this nice interview with Keith, and we are very happy that he contacted us and uh, has been showing us around the great outdoors and we will talk to you on the other side. We're in Florida in our motorhome, and we are here on a very cold day in Florida. We just went out and cracked the ice, but we have a very special guest today, and his name is Keith, and he is a owner in the great outdoors. 
So welcome, Keith. Thank We're you. We're very happy to have you here. We understand that you're a listener to the podcast. You tracked us down. We're very happy to make your acquaintance. So thank you for being here. We want to talk about two topics today. We want to talk about the great outdoors as a resort and about your involvement with the uh, Beaver Group. Sure. We'll start off with uh, a question. We are new owners in the great outdoors. Congratulations. Tell us what we need to know about the great outdoors. <laughs> well, now that you're owners and it's too late to get out. Okay. <laughs> we still have three days to change our Yeah, we have three days to change our minds according to Florida law. <laughs> well, that's great. Where, where did you? Uh... Uh, we bought on a developed lot uh-huh. over in uh, Oak Cove. Oak Cove. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So did you avoid the trees? We are, we're going to go. Totally. We're, we're going to find out whether we could park over there. There's somebody on the lot, so we can't go over and actually put the motorhome there. But well, that's great. So, so we are very impressed. I mean, this the great outdoors is just a really interesting place to live. We've, we've stayed at many campgrounds that call themselves resorts, but there are very few campgrounds that really are resorts the way this one is. And we came here without any intention of doing anything but escaping the cold, and have been so impressed by all that is here and the friendly people that are here including you so i'm guessing that that was part of what attracted you to settle down in this part of the world (laughs) yes it is uh about january two years ago Uh we decided we were going to relocate and we didn't know whether it was from from well the last place we were at was georgia Mm -hmm. we were in alpharetta georgia had a home there and the problem i had with the RV is is our RV was stored 30 miles from the house. I managed to find a place where I could store it under a roof Uh in an open lot. However, there was no power available, so I'd have to run over every two weeks, restart the coach and Mm. uh, Mm -hmm. in our off season. (laughs) So we wanted a place where we could keep the coach indoors and uh, we started looking. We went to Tennessee to a um, place in Crossville called The Gardens. Uh-huh. Sort of liked it. Found it to be very friendly. We looked in other places mm-hmm. in Florida. But then some friends associated with an RV club that we're involved with, the Beaver Ambassador mm-hmm. Club, uh, said, why don't you come over and take a look over here? Our decision was based on doing basically what you've done, mm-hmm. which was staying in a place for a month, mm-hmm. make sure that we... We fit in with the community. Right. That's key. Then making the decision. We came down here, rented a place for a month, all the way in the Just back. Just one of the lots? One of the lots, uh-huh. all the way in the back of the park. Mm-hmm. Decided we really liked the park, and we really didn't like the location we were in, uh-huh. quite honestly, because it's so far Powerful. back. And the speed limit in here it's is so 15. low. 15. <laughs> yeah. You can almost walk faster at yeah, times. Yeah. That was the first qualifier. What impressed us about the park is that there are 19 condo associations affiliated in here, and they're all different. You go into one section Mm -hmm. of the park, it's pads. You'll go into another section, it'll be pads with casitas. Or executive suites. Or executive suites. And you go into some sections, you can... You can do anything and everything from you start out with uh, park model homes, uh-huh. step up to homes with RV pads on them, to what we ended up buying, which is a home with an air-conditioned <laughs> RV, RV garage. And, and plus <laughs> a two-car garage, plus <laughs> a garage for the golf, golf cart. cart. Well, wait a minute. So it's how a, much space do you have under roof, <laughs> under under the garage roof? Oh, geez. Oh, you don't know. Uh, yeah, I do. It's, it's about... Uh, 18 under the garage. 1,800 square feet in the garage. 
And then, uh, and of course, it's huge, tall too. Yes, for a well, motorhome, it, it has would to, have be. to be. Yeah. The coach is thirteen feet, so I would say the roof is at about eighteen feet, mm-hmm. eighteen six. Yeah, yeah. makes it very nice. impressive looking from the outside. So we go from the the very basic lots like we are buying all the way up to the complete storage facility and house. And a yes. beautiful home And a beautiful it. home with it. All yeah, integrated with, together all integrated under one together, roof. Which is very impressive for a resort and anything in between. Yeah. And the nice thing is that it's sectioned off a little bit. Mm-hmm. What we found after we were down here for a while was that people will do what you did. They'll buy a pad. They'll spend some time on it. Then they'll decide, well, gee, we need something a little more. Mm-hmm. So exactly. they'll move around in the park. That's exactly what we're Yeah, we, we met a lady that moved four times as her life changed and her needs changed, and it was all right here. Yeah, and that that impressed me. I'm not yes. used to see, I'm used to seeing people saying, "Oh, I've had enough. Let's move on," mm-hmm. but not people that mm-hmm. constantly move around in the park. Mm-hmm. And as you enter a different stage of life, it's, you need different kinds of facilities, right? And we came in here. I swore we would never ever live in Florida, yeah. and here we are. That's exactly us. <laughs> it has been a good decision. You've been here now two years. Yes, yes. It, it has been a good decision. Thinking down the road long term, this gives us an exit point or an right. exit plan where we can still stay with our friends in the same community mm-hmm. and be part of the community mm-hmm. even when we're no longer RVing. Plus, there's the advantage of, of being close to, to Port Canaveral. yes. For cruising. For cruising, yes. And Orlando for airfares, for airlines. And in our case, it's also a kid magnet. Yeah. So the grandkids want to come down. down. Yeah. (laughs) In Alpharetta, after I retired, I think we saw them once or twice. Mm -hmm. Now they keep coming back. Uh So that's really a good good sort of thing. And and, and do you use the facilities in the park? Yes, Uh I do. I don't look like it right now, but I exercise a lot. So I'll use the health club facilities, Mm -hmm. uh, both the big health club Mm -hmm. that's that's out here. And we're in a section called Hidden Lakes, Mm -hmm. sometimes known as Hidden Fees, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that has another smaller health club in there. So we'll use both of them. We use the pools. When it's warmer, which it normally is, then uh, my wife, Eileen, will goes to exercise three or four times a week, but she'll use do some of the water aerobics mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it works out pretty well for us. So this park has met your expectations. Exceeded our Exceeded. I'm anal about some of this mm-hmm. stuff. So we did spreadsheets and everything mm-hmm. else to run the cost differences mm-hmm. between where we were and where we are. And we compare back against what it cost us to live in Chicago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And this has proven to be a, a pretty good move, yes. Uh-huh. yeah. And it has nice long-term ramifications in terms of what you can do in the future. Absolutely. Of course, you're at the top of the scale, so you can't move really again. But, well, I can if I want to downsize. Yeah, well, that's point. it. You're right. That is an interesting issue. You can downsize if you want to, if your situation changes. I don't know that I would. I'd, I would prefer to stay right where I'm at, but everything is low maintenance here. Uh-huh. This is the first place I've lived where I sit out on the sun porch and watch someone else cut the grass. (laughs) It's a wonderful thing. (laughs) Because it's included in my association fees, and they're not that bad. No. We had a little pause about the Titusville area. This is We're located in Titusville, just a few miles from the ocean, but Titusville has suffered from the Space Coast decline as a result of NASA. Did this impact your decision? It did at first. To be perfectly honest, I was glad to move to a smaller town. Mm-hmm. We lived in Alpharetta, Georgia. 
I had a 15-mile commute to work when mm-hmm. I was working, and that 15 miles would take me an hour and 10 minutes Ooh. on a lot of mornings. Ooh. So... Uh, moving to a place where I didn't have that sort of congestion was nice. Seeing some of the changes that have occurred mm-hmm. here in, in the decline is, is not a positive thing, but we looked at, at the malls and, and what was the prognosis. Well, they're tearing one of the malls right. down right now to, re- mm-hmm. to put up a new one. That's a good That's thing. That's a very good sign, yeah. We had to drive five miles to get to a Publix, which is the major grocery store here. Really? When you came? When we came. Now... You know, on the 26th, Publix opens right, right down the right, street. Right, right. We're close to the shopping that we need, mm-hmm. and once a month we take a drive to just north mm-hmm. of Orlando to make a Costco run mm-hmm. and typically to go to Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. So it's a difference in a way of approaching things. Mm-hmm. So we bought a basically a vacant lot. It has just a pad on it with a shed, and our intention is to it's kind of an investment, and we would come back occasionally to, to stay on it. And tell us about your house. <laughs> You're kind of at the opposite end of the scale. And we want to emphasize that there is virtually everything in between, as we've kind of mentioned. But yes. your house, and how did you come to buy it? And is it, did you have it built? Well, it, to have a house built in here. You, so they, you can have a house yes, built. Yes, to have a house built in here takes about six months mm-hmm. at a minimum. The house itself is on two floors, about 1,800 square feet on the main floor. The remainder, it's... It's between twenty four and twenty five hundred total. Mm. The remainder is upstairs. There's a bedroom upstairs. It's poured concrete construction. The exterior walls. Exterior walls, yes, and and it's on a slab foundation. Uh-huh. So before we bought and before we decided, while I was down here, I came over and watched the construction uh-huh. techniques. And yeah, we've been watching this one up here. <laughs> and talked to the builders. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's the most unique construction yeah. techniques I've ever seen. Yeah. We like the area for other reasons, though, too. Uh, Titusville sits inland from Cape Canaveral. Mm-hmm. Since the Gulf Stream makes a, an S-curve around Cape Canaveral, we tend not to have hurricanes. Right. I wanted to be close to the coast right. because of the milder climate. Uh, Orlando gets hotter in the summer than, than mm-hmm. Titusville does. Now, here we are on a, about the coldest day of the year. Watch yeah. me eat my words. <laughs> But uh, typically, it doesn't get much above 90 here, and there's a breeze in the afternoon. So it's not bad even in the summertime. Mm -hmm. Last winter was exceptionally mild. Mm -hmm. Well, we're very excited to hear about the the great outdoors as long as we are new owners. But the cool thing about this is that the entire park is RVers. 2,800 sites, and everybody RVs, or just about. And certainly that is the foundation. And you RV... Months out of the year? Yes. Uh, so it's not like you come here just to retire and, and vegetate. This year will be out about four months. Uh-huh. Long story short, I grew up in an RVing family. Yeah. I've done it my entire, right. off and on my entire uh-huh. life. My wife is relatively new to uh-huh. RVing, uh-huh. so I'm trying to break her in a little slowly. <laughs> this year will be out four months. But as you drive up and down the streets, there are motorhomes and travel trailers and fifth wheels and of every kind and dimension here in the park. And you have something special because you are part of the Beaver... Beaver Ambassador Thank Club. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. When you first started talking about it, I thought, what's a beaver? Maybe we better start yeah. with that. Okay. Well, it's... It's not Bucky Beaver, no. so it's it's not the tooth toothpaste. 
A Beaver is a type of motor coach Uh that's now defunct. Uh, They started out in the 60s with slide-in campers, went to Class C's Mm -hmm. in the early 70s, went to Class A's in the early 80s, went to diesel coaches about 85, Uh and built diesel coaches until they they were acquired by Safari Safari in, I think, 93 or 94, and then they stayed a Safari line until Monaco took Uh them over in 2002. When we bought the Beaver Coach, it was the first time I had owned a diesel coach. Uh-huh. So and you bought it obviously used. Yes, and I did. And it's a 2000? It's a 2000 Beaver Patriot, 2000. Uh-huh. Patriot Thunder. So, uh-huh. so now 15 it's a, years old. I bought it when it was about uh, between 9 and 10 years old. Uh-huh. Older than I wanted, but in better shape than uh-huh. what I saw that was newer at the time. And so what kind of configuration does it have? It's got two slides. They don't uh-huh. measure up to this palace that you well, live in. It's got a living room slide that's 18 inches and a bedroom slide that's also 18 but it's, inches. But it's a 40-foot diesel pusher. Yes, it is a, with a Cat C12 engine. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. it's got enough power to pull a toad and probably plow at the same time when we go up the mountains. <laughs> that sounds good. You can't have enough power. So you then started this organization? or No, no. Oh. Uh, this organization started in 1983. Mm-hmm. It was put together. It's a Beaver Owners Club. Yes, it was uh-huh. a Beaver Owners Club. So the company started it then? I really am not quite clear on all of that uh-huh. history. I know it was a close association with the company in Bend. They started holding rallies around the country. And of course, as, as you bought a coach, then it included a year's membership uh-huh. in the club. Yeah. It grew to eventually, I think around 2,000, 2,500 yeah. members, uh-huh. somewhere in that. Then that's a rough number. Uh-huh. Uh, our current numbers are around 800, I can give you the exact, 887. (laughs) So we have 887 coaches. We fluctuate a little bit every year. We're actually growing a little bit right now. Uh Uh, We're up, our numbers are up by Uh 50 from where they were last year. So it's pretty stable Mm -hmm. club and it's well organized. Even though beavers are no longer being made. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. But the, the interesting thing, I think, for our listeners is that it's not restricted no. to beaver owners. And the activities of the club are especially interesting to us. You're absolutely right. It is, it's not restricted. It's open to diesel coaches. Uh-huh. You have to have a diesel coach, uh-huh. a diesel Class A coach, uh-huh. in order to join, Okay, at least by today's rule. You then organize uh, some cool trips. Well, what we do is, as a club, we typically hold between... 25 and 30 rallies a year. It's just a huge number. I mean, the Newmar Club has a handful. When I say rallies, there are two very large rallies every year, or typically run in the neighborhood of 100 or more coaches. Uh-huh. And those are our international mm-hmm. rallies. Yeah. So that's that's when we do our business meetings uh-huh, uh-huh. and everything else. That's like else. the Newmar ones. And then the rest of them are organized and held by the members here. Uh-huh. So basically, if you're a member in a club and you want to host a rally, then you lay it out, submit it to your vice president, they'll review it, and typically we'll And a rally it. would be basically a sightseeing event. 
Typically. Or getting to know an area. Yes, event. or it may be a rolling rally to okay, get you yes. to an event. Right. Okay. And if we look in here, I think you'll see mm-hmm. a, a variety of events. We're looking at the monthly newsletter? Yes. Which I'm is sorry. quite impressive. Uh, it's 30 pages or so? Uh, this is the quarterly newsletter. Then. Quarterly, okay. Okay, mm-hmm. and it, so what we do is we send a copy to any member that wants it mm-hmm. mailed to them, and it's also available on the Beaver Club's mm-hmm. website. Uh, so you in have a flipbook uh, and a PDF form. We have here this year Hula in Hammett. Which is the international rally in March. And as we've spoken with you, it sounds like a lot of your future plans for the summer involve stringing together fixed rallies with some rolling rallies or some travel in between the rallies. And I'm thinking there must be somebody who coordinates this to make that all fit together, or is that just serendipitous? When we have an international rally, for example, we'll typically try and arrange rallies that will point members in that direction or move them in that general direction. It hasn't happened so much in Hemet because Hemet will occur in March, and those of us who live south of I-10 in Florida are not anxious to leave Florida. <laughs> in March. In March. Especially this winter. Yeah. Um, but, yes, they, they tend to, to sequence together. Uh, a good example of that might be to look at, at what's going on around uh, the Chicago rally. Mm-hmm. There's, they've never done a rally in Chicago, so there's one scheduled for this summer. So there are three or four rallies that will lead into that. They'll be actually they center around mm-hmm. FMCA mm-hmm. events. So FMCA will be in Madison this yes, year. Yes, yes. So we, Wisconsin. We have um, several rallies leading into that in Wisconsin. Then following the uh-huh. FMCA rally, we have a rally in Chicago, hosted in Elgin. Uh-huh. And after that, there'll be a rally up near Mackinac in Michigan. And then, let's see, we're headed towards our international rally in September in Branson. So we've strung three rallies together, and yes, it's it's on purpose. We strung a rolling rally together that will go from Fort Knox, Kentucky, to Mammoth Caves, spend two or three days at each site, and in one of the days at Mammoth Caves, we'll just go to the Corvette factory. <laughs> just happened to go. <laughs> yeah. So your responsibility as the creator of a rally is to do what? Lay out the itinerary, schedule the RV parks. If we're going to schedule meals, whoever the rally master is will identify the restaurants, prepay for everything, so that basically when you attend a rally, you're there to have a good time. And the the thing that impresses me, having done many rallies, is the fact that they are very reasonably priced. Rallies can, frankly, get to be kind of expensive. They can. Well over $100 a night, as a rule. And your rallies, though, for our listeners, could be a very economical way to see these places with a group of people, which is always fun. Yeah. So why are they cheaper? Because the members are hosting the rallies Ah. rather than going to an outside service. Uh For our listeners, this is a great way to see places and and join the camaraderie of of a beaver organization. What you can't do with many other organizations, you you have to be a member of the club, and you have to own a specific brand of 
And I think the, the newer ones are much more expensive. Well, in all fairness, there are some rallies that are expensive. It depends on mm. where you're at. For example... Well, but the, based on the cost, the actual costs of involved. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Every two years, we do a um, balloon festival rally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's... And typically, we park yeah. in, a, in a lot directly above mm-hmm. the balloon grounds... And that by itself is expensive. Yeah, right. Well, and that's, but that's where you yeah. want to be. And that you yeah. can't do it any cheaper. Yeah. So that's. And uh, if, if you look at Branson as an example, if, if we flip through here and look at the Branson rally, mm-hmm. that's the biggest uh, rally we do. Mm-hmm. Branson rally is $700. Mm-hmm. September 15th through September 22nd. So it's a week long for $700. Now, what do you get? Well, there's seven shows. So. So that is $100 a night, but you're getting shows. You're going to shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that you're getting money. shows and I think four meals and mm-hmm. uh, continental breakfast. Mm-hmm. So the four meals will be in restaurants in the area, and that's for two people. Yeah. So yeah. that's $50 that's, a day for two reasonable. people. Yeah, that's very reasonable. And that includes your RV parking. Mm-hmm. That includes as well. Full hookups. And yes. Yeah. And when we do an international rally, there are also mm-hmm. seminars presented mm-hmm. there. So depending on what your yeah, interest is, it mm-hmm. it's there's typically one or two days that are set aside for seminars. Do you have any singles at your rallies then? Yes. You price for Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We price for both singles and couples and Typically, while the singles price is always less, it, basically when you lay out a rally, you determine the cost of activities and the cost of the park. You just have the cost of activities mm-hmm. for a single. Well, I think this is a really good option. Is there a website that uh, our listeners could visit? Yes, it's beaveramb.org. So that's B-E-A-V-E-R-A-M-B.org. And, of yes. course, we will have a link to that in the on show the show notes. notes. Yes, of course. Okay, Keith, it's been a fabulous uh, opportunity for us to interview you. And getting to know uh, the park and about beavers, this is uh, a really a, a great option. Thank you for visiting us. Thank you. Oh, so yes, we have bought a lot right here in the great outdoors, ladies and gentlemen. We have become owners. Did we plan on doing this before we got here? It never crossed my mind. Never even crossed my mind. Never even heard of this place. Very early in our marriage, we bought a lot. It was the kind of decision that young people make when they're well, impetuous. And we. it took us five years to pay for that lot. We didn't even own a home yet. Why we prioritized our money that way, God only knows. It wasn't that expensive. Um, and it was certainly not a good investment financially. But having a place we to for be years. and a place to put our motorhome and a place to gather with friends and family um, created many fun experiences. And when we sold it, I thought that that part of my life was over. But being here and seeing how fun it is to be here and thinking back to how hard it was to find a place to camp in Florida at all. Yes. Has led us to the decision that we've made. And to be precise, we have put down earnest money, but we will not close until after we speak with you again. April 1st. (laughs) That's not a joke. We actually close on April 1st, so we've had to adjust our travel schedule just a bit. So rather than going directly home after the family visit, we will be coming back to Titusville and the Great Outdoors to close on our lot. I still have some concerns as to the wisdom of buying a lot that we don't plan to return to for two years since next winter we have plans to go west again, which, as you know, we also enjoyed very much. 
but it certainly is easy to do here because when you are not using your lot, you can put it in a rental pool. Mm -hmm. The site that we have been sitting on while we've been here has belonged to someone who has rented it to us from that pool. And if you stay off the lot and you rent it out year-round, supposedly the fees that you have to pay, taxes, upkeep, that sort of thing, um, are counterbalanced by the fees that renters are paying for you. And because it's a pool, even if someone isn't sitting on your lot, you share in the proceeds of somebody's camping on somebody else's lot. So it seems like kind of a no-brainer in terms of the money. Sort of of thing. Plus the fact it looks like we might even own a golf cart. (laughs) (laughs) Something else I never thought of. And when we've been in other campgrounds with people on golf carts, I I used to think to myself, oh, those people are really old. We can ride our bikes around, no problem. But this place is so huge. And when you are carrying stuff like golf clubs from your site and you have to drive a car to get to the golf course, um, a golf cart begins to make more sense. So we are buying a 1992 golf cart Maybe. with uh, the electric, and so we will be giving that a try. So we're going to become the quintessential old farts. <laughs> so we'll have lots of new experiences to share with you in months to come at the Great Outdoors. Well, in the next month, because after that we won't be seeing it for a couple of years, yeah. so who knows? Well, we'll know about so the money if, part. Anyway. If you're interested in coming to Florida and you'd like a nice place to stay, please contact us <laughs> oh we should put a big sign on it welcome rv navigator podcast listeners <laughs> <laughs> and and perhaps i should add that we looked for the cheapest simplest lot we could find we didn't many of the lots here have wonderful homes and breezeways and um, executive suites, suites and, and whatever they call them yes. and we worried that things would fall apart in our absence and we didn't want to have to take care of more well, stuff if we're going to rent we, it we just want to have it as a basic site we already like have a home at home which people ask us why do you have a home you're never there right. and that's worry enough about stuff for me so we have a shed which will house the golf, golf cart, cart and we'll have not have much else and, and a nice pad with a picnic table and that's all you need when you're and, a camper yep well, we had to check it out carefully to make sure we get the satellite connection, so we're hopeful about that. But we will be staying on it for the first time starting April 1st. We have done some interesting installs. As we mentioned to you, the campground here has an RV repair facility as well as a sales lot. They seem to be very robust, and everything seems to be selling, and people are there getting things fixed. And so we were thinking about having uh, a new auxiliary brake system installed on the car. As you know, we have a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and we've used both the Brake Buddy and the Blue Ox Patriot. And I think over the years, we have ranted and raved about them both. (laughs) But the, The Patriot isn't that old, but it has not been a good system. And every time that I undo it at the end of a day's towing, I have error codes on the display screen, and it makes me wonder whether we are accomplishing anything by even putting it in the car. And I'm sure you fifth wheel people are out there are going to say, well, you know, that's the problem of towing a car. And yes, it is. And we have a diesel pusher, though, so we have air brakes. And they make a system whereby you can connect up your air brake system to the car brakes. And it's called Air Force One. It has nothing to do with flying, but because it uses air, it's Air Force and forcing the brakes. So it's called Air Force One, and it requires no setup inside the car on a regular basis. You plug in an air hose that goes between the motorhome brakes and the car brakes. So they put an air connector on the car, and that's all you have to do. You're ready to roll. 
no more error codes. And hopefully when we talk to you next month, we'll be as happy about this decision <laughs> as, as we, we are today. Because we haven't... Sailing off behind us. <laughs> well, you still have to hitch it up. Still have to hitch it up, yes, but... Hopefully the brakes will continue to work. And the um, flatness of Florida will really not give it a test. But, you know, when we were out in Tucson and we were at Lazy Days and we talked to them about that was the time when we were looking at the HWH jacks to get them fixed, and they said, oh, well, we can schedule you in in six weeks. I was very impressed with this place. The guy said, well, next week we can we can do this. Because it, it took most of a day to Yeah, to it was a big install. job, especially on the and car. And they had to have both the motorhome and the car there, of course. But, so, you know, that's a nice thought that you can get your stuff fixed if you need to. Because they do do HWH here, too. I mean, we have HWH on this new coach, although they have worked very well since. And the other installations that we've had this month were yeah. done by you. Yes, put in a new uh, microwave because... A new convection microwave. Yes. The one that came with the coach was really, you couldn't cook on it. We had friends from home stop by, and we invited them over for dinner, and I was going to make a little fresh turkey (laughs) breast. And number one, I couldn't get the oven hot enough to cook it. And And of course, we have no real oven. And number two, when I thought, well, this will do, and I put on the timer, we left the rig for a little tour of the campground. We came back, and the oven had shut itself down. So I was about to serve our friends raw meat. (laughs) And these were friends that I wanted to keep a friendship with, and we said, oh, time to do something different. So you went online and did a lot of research. Did a lot of research. And Numar, as well as many other coach manufacturers, offer their standard line of microwaves and this was a Frigidaire that we had in there now oh. and it was frankly a piece of junk it never worked right the reviews of it that I read online people were having big time problems with it it would never heat up right it never cooked right it wasn't just me it wasn't just you right and we also wondered why Numar continued to put them in because they put them in for several years although they've stopped now so we, I did some research and found that the GE Avantium is really the machine to have. And, of course, the machine to have is twice as expensive as any of the other machines. Well, but it has a whole other level of cooking. It cooks with uh, halogen lamps as well as microwave as well as heating elements. So when I'm baking something in it, I have to set the strength of the upper lamp, the strength of the lower lamp, and the strength of the microwave. And it cooks with a combination of those three things. So it takes a little while to figure out how to use um, it. We haven't had it long, but my initial review would be that it bakes much better than any other convection microwave I've ever used. But it doesn't brown the outsides of things, so it's a little bit hard for me to make sure that... I made a coffee cake this yeah. morning, and I couldn't tell whether it was really done. And I'm still experimenting with the timing. But, but it does have large, a browning element. It's, it's twice as fast as cooking in a conventional oven, which is kind of nice as well. Even the toaster oven that we have. Right. Uh, so we decided that we were going to buy this, and it's uh, you know a standard unit, which is nice. Above the stove uh, unit is the same as you'd find in a house. So we decided to go down to Home Depot, and they were having a sale on the Avantium. And we went into Home Depot and said, hey, will you send us one of these guys? And they said, sure. And the lady who we talked to said, oh, they'll install it. And we paid for the installation. I thought, oh, this is going to be really cool, um, because I didn't know if they would do an install in a motorhome and I was kind of reluctant to do this. So the guys come to install it, and they come up in this truck, and they come in and say, where are we installing this? Oh, up here in our motorhome. And they said, eh, eh. No way, we don't, we don't, we don't do motorhomes. <laughs> 
So that meant that it had to sit here for a day or so while I got the stuff together so that I could uh, install it myself. So with, with, the help, with the help of our friend Keith, Keith who right. you heard earlier exactly. in this podcast. We thank you very much, Keith. Indeed. So we got it installed after a while. So it's up there. Every, over two days. Over two days. There were certainly periods where I thought, oh my, what have we done? It looks like a standard install, but it's not. because, And I think that the guys who were here delivering it and the real installers made the correct choice of not installing it. They disappointed me greatly, but they were right. Yes, and hopefully we'll get our money back for the for the installation. But now that it's installed, at least hasn't fallen down so far. Well, we haven't driven anywhere. <laughs> we haven't driven anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so next month it'll be how to reinstall the Advantium correctly. <laughs> microwave oven falls on the floor. But I, but I really didn't know what to do. I don't know where you would go to get a guy to install it. I so I was kind of stuck with that. Yeah, the the install was either me or nobody. I guess so. That was an interesting project, and we hope that the Advantium provides us with many years of fabulous service. It certainly can't be any worse than the. Then what was already frigid, there? Frigidaire, which was already there. Uh, number two install this month was. A C B. Now Poor Ken is always highly constrained by the fact that his wife A doesn't want him to put any holes in anything and B doesn't want to see any wires. So What did he do? Go out and drills a hole in the side of the RV. <laughs> but I can't see the wires. But you can see the the antenna. Yeah. Well, well, you have a big problem with uh, installing a CB on a motorhome because CBs generally require what's called a ground plane in order to function properly. And a ground plane is a metal surface on which to mount the antenna. Of course, in a car, you know, a magnetic mount on the roof works fine. Uh, on anything else that has metal, it works fine. But, of course, motorhomes are all fiberglass, and they have no metal plane. So you have to buy a special antenna that has the ground plane circuitry built into the antenna. And I don't really know how that works, but you have the special wire that you attach to the antenna, and it provides the ground plane. You have to spend a certain amount of money on the antenna, which about triples the price of the antenna, needless to say. So I now have uh, my special no-ground plane antenna mounted above the driver's compartment uh, on the outside, of course, and I had to drill a couple of holes in the fiberglass, but it looks, how does it look? Pretty it, good. It looks good on the inside. Right. And so we like a CB, though. Um, and because we're going on a caravan next summer, uh, that will be important for us to be able to chat with the other uh, members of our tribe as we travel. Do you think they'll all have CBs? I think most of them will. Uh-huh. It's, it's That's the way a, it's been before. But CBs right. seem to be kind of out of fashion these yes, days. Yes, but we find that uh, truckers have them. They don't talk, talk on them like they used to. Which is a but, good thing. Right. But when you're in a traffic situation, Situation and you want to know which lane to be in or how to get off the expressway. Or, you or how many more hours you're going to wait. Yeah, that's uh, the CB is right there. And they're not that expensive, so that it's fairly nice to be able to just uh, have that as, a, as an available option. And I bought the one that has the, all the electronics and the handsets, so it's uh, a pretty nice compact unit and won't take up too much space on the dash. Low profile. Low profile. We have, as you know, we've been really enjoying the high-speed Internet here, and it's been very reasonably priced, and Bright House provides good service. This is a really nice thing about being in a campground for a few weeks, is that you can get the high-speed internet right there at your campground. Many people talk about cutting the cord, and what does that mean to you? Nothing. <laughs> 
She's not thought about this at all. She has not thought about cutting no, the cord. No, I know what you're talking about, but I wouldn't know what if you hadn't been talking about it. So a lot of people are very disgusted with their very high-priced cable bill. As are we. Yeah, we pay over $100 a month just for direct TV. And I would think if I were still a working person and I had less time to take advantage of the programming, because there is a lot of good programming to watch, it would be even more frustrating to me. And you get so many channels you don't want to watch. But more and more stuff has been coming over the Internet, as you probably know. Most of the TV channels that you generally watch, uh, over-the-air channels, you can get also over the Internet with some sort of an app, which is great, but the big limitation has been sports. And you have not been able to get a sports channel like eSpan without having a cable subscription. So you could watch it, yes, on the Internet. Yes, you could watch it while you were away from home, but you couldn't get that as a standalone option. So this is something that's just changed. There's now an app called the Sling app, and the Sling app is a subscription service, 20 bucks a month, and you get about 20 channels. Most of those channels are sports channels. You get to watch the sports programming live just like anybody else watching on cable. So you turn on your your computer or either Sling app on your Roku box, and you watch eSpan. Now, one thing I know that people who travel like we do and like sports are frustrated by is that they want to watch their home team and they're nowhere near their home. Does this app help them to see regional contests? No, but you can do that with the other box that we have at home, and that's the Simple TV. The Simple TV box that we have at home broadcasts our over-the-air channels from home to us wherever we are, as if long as we, we, if, have, good if we have good internet. And that's the, the real bottom line if. to this whole thing. This all is predicated on you having a good internet connection. But if you do, you now can have good internet and pay for the internet rather than paying for cable, which is essentially what we're doing here with Bright House. We don't have TV with Bright House. Although we could. We could, yes. That we're already paying for. That we're already paying for. But we could even, in some ways, get rid of DirecTV if we were going to stay here and had a good internet connection for a long time. And that's called the Sling app. And, of course, the Sling box for a long time has been a connection to your DVR that allowed you to watch things that you'd recorded at home over the Internet. This is a standalone app, 20 bucks a month, which is substantially less than any cable service. And you get these 20 channels, most of them sports, but it includes the Travel Channel and HGTV and a couple of others. You can get a kids package. You can get uh, additional sports package for another 5 bucks or so a month for each of those. So <laughs> the real bottom line is is that this is really coming down the road in a hurry, and I never really expected to see sports channels that would be competing with cable because cable has really wanted to hold on to those because that's one of the reasons why people won't cut the cord is because they get their sports. But now we see it's happening right here. Speaking of Internet and getting Internet in your RV, there is a new update to a book that we have been using for quite a while, the Mobile Internet Handbook uh, for for RVers. It is available now in its third edition <laughs> in just a couple of years. Is it an ebook? Yes, it's an ebook. I have it as a PDF. Yeah. And we would like to recommend this if you are looking at the different choices you have for internet while you're on the road because it's written specifically for RVers. Uh, for instance, we have been waiting for our Wilson cellular amplifier so that we could get decent phone service right here in our motorhome because the, although the, the Great Outdoors is a nice park, it has virtually no phone service. 
where we are. Well, I don't think we can drive to somewhere. Well, yeah, but in the park, yeah, and do better. Overall, the phone service here has been pretty bad. So I was going to get a Wilson cellular amplifier so that we would get better signal and as an option for 4g data service too but anyway if you're looking for a a book to read or some information then you would want to take a look at this book and of course where will you find a link to this information in the rv navigator show notes (laughs) exactly and where will you find those on the rvnavigator.com so we encourage you to take a look at the podcast notes page. We're also going to have a link to an article titled, How Much RV Can You Afford? I like the approach this article has because it's a complex issue. And having just gone through selling our old motorhome, it raises a number of the things that you should think about because a lot of people move to used RVs because new ones are so expensive and depreciate so much. The article goes into detail about how much money you will lose Uh every year that you own your rig. Unlike your RV lot, which will appreciate. Hopefully. (laughs) And, and, And it talks about the repair items that you might need to pay for down the road and the implications of financing a rig, which will end up making it much more expensive than a brand new one would have been in the first place. A very thought-provoking article that kind of comprehensively raises all the issues you should think about before you plunge into this kind of expensive purchase. Expensive, but it can save you money. I'm not no. sure about that. <laughs> Unless you can quantify Certainly buying a lot fun. in Florida is definitely a good deal. Oh, uh, we're not sure about that yet either. <laughs> we're also going to link to an interesting article about why you should put on your bucket list an RV experience in New Orleans yes. for the Mardi Gras. Um, if you are a regular listener, you heard us rant and rave with joy and excitement about the camping experience we had um, going to Mardi Gras with a rally group, and that certainly is a good way to do it, but you don't have to have a group and the article talks about some campgrounds that you can stay at including one that charges two hundred dollars a night during mardi gras but it's right downtown we've seen it we stayed at a state park which the article doesn't mention which is right across the river and there's another campground on lake pontchartrain shores which is a bit north of the downtown area and all of these would be excellent ways to enjoy an experience that's like none other in our country a very family friendly event so we and she said to hear a key word here this is a family event in new orleans the mardi gras has the tawdry Bourbon Street tourist attractions, but uh, the multiple number of parades are very family-oriented, and it's a lot of fun to go down and see the families and the people, the city enjoying its itself. It's I, that's party. the only thing I can say. That's the only thing I can say. The atmosphere is just really fun to be part of. We were there for two weeks, and that would be a reasonable amount of time to spend on this. It's for not just one night. It's not just Fat Tuesday. It's much more than that. And the parades and celebration lasts for a long time, and you can spend a good amount of time not only enjoying the food, but enjoying the other attractions that are part of New Orleans. And uh, the Mardi Gras is just another one of those fabulous things. And while the article doesn't specifically say so, I would encourage you to bring a costume when you go to our, our <laughs> RV and Mardi Gras because everybody will, yeah, wears one. You will one. feel out of place, but it, it's hard to do. And then our last link on the show notes um, t- will take you to one of the most spectacular-looking trailers <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. When we go to RV shows and tour Never seen this one. expensive motor homes a lot of them are decorated 
I call it frou-frou, too much going on. There's all these ruffles and different patterns up against each other. My tastes are more simple and Scandinavian. Like the inside of your motorhome? Yeah. (laughs) My tastes are more simple and Scandinavian, but nobody decorates motorhomes to my taste, Uh but this trailer comes very close, and the pictures of it are spectacular, and the versatility of what you can do inside when the sidewalls come down are fabulous. It's a very unique design. Unfortunately, it's in the Netherlands. Well... (laughs) We may be seeing it in an RV show near us very soon. Who knows? I, I would love it. Anyway, so that takes care of the month of February for 2015. Very glad that you had a chance to listen, and I hope this podcast hasn't been too long. As usual, we love to hear from our listeners. We love to have uh, visits from our listeners, and when we say we might be camped in a campground near you, it really might be true, and we do have visitors who take us up on our invitation to come and see us. This month in particular. This month in particular. Well, every month we would always uh, appreciate. Next month we will be in Myrtle Beach. We will be in Brunswick, Georgia. We will be in Gaffney, South Carolina. (laughs) And Charleston. Charleston and Rock Hill, South Carolina. We've got a lot of traveling coming up. And then April 1st we will be back here at the Great Outdoors again so if you will be in the area let us know and, and we'll we be will be plunking out the big bucks <laughs> <laughs> until then we hope to see you in a campground near us in the near future thanks for listening happy travels